Okay, uh, would you go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 5? We're going to continue our series on the Sermon on the Mount. And if you could remember last week, these are this is the second of uh, the secret spiritual disciplines. Last week we learned about secret uh, giving. Today we're going to learn about secret prayer life. And the following week we're going to learn about secret fasting that we do so for the audience of one. So let's go ahead and turn in verse 5. We're going to go through the Lord's Prayer this morning. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. Now, catch the uh, play on words here, the juxtaposition of a secret God who reward us secretly when we uh, pray to Him in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father who knows what you need before you ask Him, pray then like this. And here's the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And here's this concluding statement Jesus has on prayer. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. Now, this was a challenging week for me in study because... June and July of 2018, two years ago, we did a six weeks, a month and a half series on Kingdom Come, which is on the Lord's Prayer. And I don't want to go through the nitty gritty and the details, but I would like to speak to you this morning. I believe what God has, and it's not necessarily about information and it's not necessarily about right theology or the right uh, liturgy and the right form. But I want to get to the heart of prayer this morning. And here's the main point. You could write this down. A secret daily lifestyle of prayer empowers us, me and you, to live a public life of flourishing in the kingdom of God. Let me repeat that. When we have a secret, right, that's something that's private, that we don't toot our horn, and if we have a daily, everyday lifestyle of prayer that will empower us to live a public life, of flourishing. John chapter 10, verse 10, one of my most favorite verse 
that Jesus has come to give us life and life to the full, a life of flourishing, a life of abundance in the kingdom of God. Now, the importance of the Lord's Prayer is that it empowers us to live victoriously as the people of God in the kingdom of God. See, Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7, this longest uninterrupted preaching recorded in the whole New Testament of Jesus' teaching, it revolves around what it looks like and how to live out in the reign of Jesus. In other words, it answers the questions of what does it mean to be a Christ follower? What does it mean to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus daily? And it's all about kingdom living. Now, Matthew chapter 5, remember, it starts off with the, the what? The Beatitudes. It talks about blessed are those, right? or poor in spirit, and talks about salt and light, it talks about anger, talks about divorce, talks about retaliation, loving our enemies. And then chapter 6, then it talks about Jesus speaks on the secret life of prayer and fasting and giving. Later on, he talks, he preaches on laying up spiritual treasure. He preaches on anxiety. And in chapter 7, he talks about judging others and the golden rule and true disciples and building the house on the rock. Now, why am I saying all this? I'm saying this because right in the midst of chapter 5 and chapter 7 is chapter 6. And right in the thick of living as the people of God, is the Lord's Prayer. In other words, this scholars refer to this as a chiasm. It's from the Greek word chi, which is almost like an X. Now, if you could imagine a chi or an X, like Christos, that's where we get um, Christ, an X would be like cut in half, so it's almost be like a, a greater sign or less than sign, right? And so chapter 5 is living in the kingdom of God. Boom. Right in the middle of that is prayer. And then after that, it talks about living our ethics in the kingdom of God. But in the middle of that is what? Prayer. That prayer empowers, it strengthens you and me to live, to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbors and to serve our neighbors. The Lord's Prayer is almost like the sandwich or the meat of the Sermon on the Mount. And this secret daily lifestyle of prayer, it gives you strength. Could I just say this right now, this morning? A, a prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. If you go through life and you go through your nine to five, your Monday through Friday, or your Monday through the week, Monday through Sunday, and if you don't connect God with prayer and you rely on your own strength, you are spiritually stagnant, you're spiritually impotent. A prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. As the young people would probably say, if you don't pray, 
You won't slay, all right? You won't slay the day. You won't live a life of victory. So let me just give you uh, two application points here because the Lord's Prayer can be broken down about God, right? About God's name, God's kingdom, about God's will. And the bottom half, it's about us, right? Our daily bread, our forgiveness, and our deliverance. It's just like the Ten Commandments. The first four has to deal with horizontally our relationship with God. And the last six deals with how we deal with one another. And so, number one, would you write this down? Pray for a God-centered existence. Let me repeat that. Pray for a God-centered existence that the reality and the substance of our life would be Jesus in the middle. I think too many times you hear preaching that starts off with, oh, you're so loved by God. You're so special. You have a plan. You have a purpose. But what does Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 say? In the beginning, what? God. That life, that meaning starts, is in the middle, and it, be, it ends with God. It ends with Jesus. In our life, I think, especially with evangelical Christianity today, that God is treated like a genie, like we are the center of the universe, that everything revolves and orbits about us, about me, myself and I and what do we want and what do we desire our name our kingdom our will being done but Jesus he doesn't start off with our needs first this is how you ought to pray pray in secret pray in pray in the closet pray for strength so publicly you will have power and strength to live to love and bless your enemies to not be worried about tomorrow because we don't know what tomorrow will bring. And there's an early church father, his name is Tertullian, and he says that the Lord's Prayer is the gospel abbreviated. That our Father in heaven, that this is the gospel kind of abbreviated and condensed. Because if you break this down, our Father, Jesus says, the Father and I are one. And he says, hallowed be your name, that the name of Jesus is above every other name. When we say his kingdom will come, that Jesus is the blessed and the only living and true God who is the king over all. When we pray, give us today our daily bread, that Jesus is the living bread that came down from heaven that if we eat of him we will never hunger again when we pray forgive us our sins that Jesus had the power on earth to forgive us our sins that he is able to um, overcome when he was tempted when we pray deliver us from evil that Jesus is the one that redeems us from all evil Galatians 1 says that he we have rescued from the domain or the kingdom of darkness. First Peter says that we've been 
transferred into his wonderful and marvelous light that the kingdom and the power and the glory all belong to Jesus. Life is not about you, friend. Life is not about your will, your kingdom expanding, your bank account getting bigger. It's not about you looking good. It's about Jesus. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the first, the last, the beginning, and the end. It's always been about Jesus. And it will always be about Jesus. If you want to live under the reign of God, and if you want to experience abundant and a life of flourishing, Pray for a God-centered existence. Jesus says, this is how you ought to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. It's the name of Jesus. It's the name of God that should be made hallowed. What does that mean? It simply means that, for example, that we are to Pray, God, in all things, in all circumstance, Lord, I pray that you would cause your name to be honored, cause your name to be revered, cause your name to be treasured. When I'm praying for our nation, praying for the um, division and unrest, my prayer and my heart's cries, Lord, what the enemy has intended for evil, cause this for your for your good, that the name of Jesus would be lifted high. Lord, I pray that the church would rise up and unite, that the church would be a hospital for the broken and the wounded. Hallowed be the name of Jesus. The word, the name there, it's, it's Hashem in Hebrew. It refers to God. Hallowed be the personhood of God. Now, it's closely related to this Hebrew word, which is kabod, which means glory. The glory or the name of God is, it literally means in Hebrew, it's the weight of God, the heaviness of God, that the presence of God would be made holy because the name of Jesus has been dragged through the mud. It's been defamed. It's been... Uh, put down, but first and foremost, we have to have a God-centered prayer, Lord, hallowed be thy name. I think in the simplest terms, not simplest, but in a simple term, um, that the name of Jesus would be made famous in a good way. Many years ago, we had an uh, intern from Japan. His name is Kazuya Sinoo, and he interned while I was at youth pastoring at New Hope Hawaii Kai. And um, we had a staff meeting, and Kazuya's like 26 years old, but he's, you know, five foot nothing, you know, 100 pounds dripping wet. I mean, um, but Kazuya had such a pure heart, and we asked him, hey, Kazuya, why do you want to intern here? And his voice started quivering in his broken English. He started weeping. I just want to make Jesus famous in Japan. 
And that's what it means. Hallowed be thy name. Lord, make the Jesus, make your name famous. That Lord, make that you would look good in my situation. You would look good, Lord, in my marriage. That you would look good, Lord, in my workplace. You would look good in my time management, Lord. That you would look good in my workplace. Hallowed be the name of Jesus. Secondly, it's the kingdom of God, which means, Lord, let your kingdom come, that the, the reign of Jesus would come, that the kingdom would advance, that people would turn to Jesus. How often do you pray that prayer, brother and sister in Christ, that, Lord, that my, if you know someone is sick, and do you pray, Lord, I pray that your kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus, of healing, of wholeness, that it would penetrate through darkness and sickness and death, that the kingdom of, kingdom of God would come here right now. So this is what Jesus talks about. Thirdly, he says, not only your name and your kingdom, but it says that your will be done. And I don't have really the time here to explain it, but uh, God has two will, two wills, okay? The first will is what we call the sovereign will of God, that it's this uninterrupted, that God will do his thing. But the second will is what we call the moral will, which is the revealed will of God, this, that this is what he desires. And when you pray for the will of God to come, you're basically asking, Lord, give me a spirit of obedience that I would submit to your will, that what that I would want what you want for me, that I would want, Lord Jesus, your desire for me, oh Lord God, in every aspect of my life. Secondly, uh, after we pray for a God-centered reality, a Christ gospel-centered life, pray daily. Would you write that down? Pray daily for God's. There's going to be a couple things here. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6. Pray then like this, verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, let me just pause and say this. That when you pray, verses 11, 13, concerning, not about God this time, but about you, right? Give us our daily bread, forgive us our debts, deliver us from evil. You're inviting this triune prayer. Meaning that when we pray this, you're inviting God the Father to give His daily provision for you. When you say, forgive us our debts, you're inviting the forgiveness of sins that's mediated by Jesus Christ. And when you pray, lead us not into temptation, you're praying for the Holy Spirit's strength and leading to preserve you into the kingdom of God.
So pray daily for God's sustenance. Give us this day our daily bread. Just like God's design for his people in Israel in Exodus, that he didn't give them all this bread, that lump sum at one time, but every day he gave them manna, just enough for that day so that the following day they could depend on the provision and the mercies and the grace and the faithfulness of God. So too, you and I were supposed to pray just for what we need for today. How many of us have ever prayed for daily bread? Um, Proverbs chapter 30 verses 8 and 9 says, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much, and I would disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal, and so dishonor the name of my God. What's the writer of Proverbs saying? It's like, just give me my daily bread. Don't make me too poor that I'm going to have to beg and steal and sin against you. But don't make me too rich that I'll forget about you and think it's all about me. See, that, that daily bread, that, that everyday reliance, that everyday dependence on God. I think during this time of quarantine, we could say, give us our daily toilet paper, right? <laughs> that we just need, Lord, just give me, please, what I need just for today. All right, secondly... Would you write down? Pray daily for God's not only sustenance, but forgiveness. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Verse 12. What is our debt? Our debt of not loving God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. What is our debt? The debt of just kind of missing the mark. How many of us would say this morning that we are exactly where I, I'm exactly where I want to be as a Jesus follower? I'm exactly where I want to be. I've reached the pinnacle. I have arrived as a husband. I've arrived as a wife. I've arrived as a mother. I've arrived as a student. None of us, we've all missed the mark and there's this debt, indebtedness and debt that we owe God and we ask for forgiveness. And may I say this too, that when you pray for God, ask God, Lord, would you let me have experiential forgiveness that I would feel forgiven? There's a difference between being forgiven and feeling forgiven. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 
He is faithful and just, not if we confess and tried our best and we tried to be good, but he, he is faithful and just because that's who he is. Charles Spurgeon says, when the devil opens his mouth in slander, it gives me an opportunity to slam the sword, the word of God, the sword of truth down his throat. What are some promises? What is some uh, truth that we could shove down the throat of the accuser of the brethren? Romans 8.1 Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ because through Christ Jesus, the law of spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin of death. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 14 For by one sacrifice... Jesus dying on the cross, God, He has made perfect. He has made perfect for all time, for all of eternity, those who are being saved. Uh, Psalm says, man, as far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your transgressions from you to whom, we just sang it this morning, to whom the Son is set free is free indeed. We have experienced a grace so free, a love so reckless, a mercy so scandalous that we are forever forgiven, not because I'm good, not because I'm well-meaning, not because I pray, but because of Jesus Christ crucified on the cross for you and for me as people who have experienced so much forgiveness we are now empowered to forgive others your understanding of God's forgiveness reflects on how you forgive others forgive us for our debts as we forgive others. And lastly, we'll close. Pray daily for God's holiness in your life. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. From a scale of 1 to 10, 0 being not important at all, to 10, yes, every day, every second, I pray for it. How often do you pray for holiness, for your character to be formed, for you to grow in Christ's likeness. How often do we pray, Lord, help me, lead me not into temptation? Why is this so important? It's so important because uh, the habitual na nature of sin, the enslaving power of sin, there's a Reformed theologian, his name is W.G.T. Shedd, and he says that sin is the suicidal action of the human will against itself. Let me repeat that. Sin is the suicidal action of the human will against itself. What does he mean? That every time you and I sin, we're destroying our ability to resist that sin again. 
when you and I sin, when we steal, when we lie, we make it that much more easier to do it again and that much more harder to resist and to avoid that sin. Jesus says, lead us not into temptation. Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, Jesus says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Pray to God, saints, follower of Jesus, blood bought by the precious blood of the Lamb. Pray that God will give you strength so that you will not walk into temptation, that you'll be able to resist, that you could be like Joseph and flee sexual immorality. Do you pray for your character to be forged? Do you pray for integrity to be developed? That there's an integer that you are who you in that you are who you are in private as you portray yourself in public. Is integrity and character even in your radar? And we'll close this morning by really getting down to the heart of the issue. What is the heart of the issue? How come we don't pray like we ought to? How come we don't come before God and not have a God-centered, a theocentric worldview? Is it because we don't have the right theology? Is it because we don't have the right liturgy? Is it because we don't have the right information? Is it because we don't have the right form? Is it, is it because we don't pray, because we don't know what to pray? I think the truth of the matter is it's because of pride. We've gotten along this far and we haven't really prayed and life isn't too bad. We're comfortable. Nothing disastrous has really come upon us and we're like, oh, I, I didn't pray yesterday. I didn't pray last week. I didn't pray for the last month. I didn't pray since last year, last decade and I'm relatively okay. Could it be that the goodness and the sheer mercy of God has been withholding uh, a satanic attack on your life? Could it be that the sheer mercy of God is preserving your health without even you asking because your Heavenly Father is so good? Here's the truth for most of us regarding prayer. We don't need to hear another sermon on prayer or read another book for us to have a better prayer life. It's not because of our lack of information, it's because of our pride. Pride makes us pray less because it tells us the fake news that we'll be fine without prayer. Who actually prays for daily food? Do you? Do I? Forgiveness from God in the same way that we forgive others. Do we pray for holiness and deliverance from sin? Or do we just dabble or we think, no, I get him, I get him, I'll hold it in my own strength. It's pride. I got news for you this morning. 
the word of God is very clear that he resists, he opposes, he suppresses the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Would you humble yourself this morning and seek God's face, that it would be all about him, his name, his kingdom, his will being done. That you come before him, Lord, every day. Would you just give me enough that I need for today? Lord, would you forgive me today? Would you deliver me today? Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you, God, that there is forgiveness, there is grace in Jesus Christ. Lord, we don't pray like we ought to pray. But Lord, your spirit right now is drawing us near. Lord, you're, you're working in our hearts. You're stirring something, oh Lord Jesus, that you've been so good, that you've been so faithful, that we've put you on the shelf, that we've been, it's our name being made holy. It's our kingdom that's coming, Lord, and it's our will that's being done. But Lord, you've been so good and you've given us grace. Lord, but we never want to abuse that. We never want to take advantage of that. We never want to walk walk, walk in on pride. So Father, I pray that we humble ourselves this morning. Lord, we pray, oh Lord Jesus, each and every single person, oh God, that we would surrender and give our lives to you. Lord, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, come into our lives, oh God, that we would live in the reign of Jesus. Uh, Lord, a kingdom of righteousness and peace and of the Holy Spirit. Father, we love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks again for joining us, you guys. Don't forget, Home Church, on the notes section, on the website, you can go through and has a group discussion questions for you guys. Go ahead and pray for one another, engage, lift each other up, carry each other's burdens. And if you're, there's still a chance for you to be a part of Home Church and join one, wehopecommunity.tv um, slash homechurch. And also... Uh, next week is Father's Day. Be on the lookout. Word on the street on good authority that there's a special treat for all you gents out there, all you gentlemen and all you fathers. Uh, make sure, please submit a epic Father's Day video clip or picture and send it to Pastor Pat at Patrick at newhopecommunity.tv. Anyways, well, we love you guys. Thank you for sharing your Sunday morning worship experience with us. We love you. Take care.